0: Are you ready to leave a safety legacy? Your legacy success story begins now. Hi, and welcome
1: to The Safety Guru. Today I'm very excited to have with me Theo Venter, who's an incredible inspirational speaker, but also one of the only people to have ever survived going through 22,000 volts through the heart and 1,200 amps. Unbelievable. Theo, welcome to the show glad you're here uh why don't we start with your story
2: man i am even more glad i'm here with you (laughs) after hearing that what you just said uh sometimes when people say that it it just is a different energy when i listen to it and i go wow i'm i'm still standing here thanks for having me eric absolutely um i'll I'll just jump in if if that's okay um i'll uh I'll, st- I'll start a little bit further back. Um, born and raised, you might pick up a slight little accent in my voice, and I know it's going to be hard to pick up, but it is from from South Africa, the Springbok country. Um, so born and raised over there, and then um, got opportunity to go to Australia and go and um, and practice my trade, which was working on um, over at Powerlines. Um I guess after about s- 10 years of working in the same, same industry, uh, there was, there was this specialized group that came in and they could work on live electrical power lines. So you put the specialized big gloves and stuff on and, and you put them on and, and you can work actually on live power lines. So I was very interested, went for the course and passed it. Sure. And then when I came to Australia, um, that was what brought me over. Cause it mm-hmm. was such a specialized trade. And, uh, I was only here for six months when I, um, Got, uh, set in my ways, my family came over for the last mm-hmm. three months um, and we were now just settling in into Australia and it was a Monday morning, I woke up in the morning and it was just another day to me, I knew exactly what was going on what was my, my whole week, um, wh- what was it going to be so got into my mm-hmm. um, ute and I jumped in and, and I went to work and got to work and the manager said to me hey Theo, he said to me Something very strange that morning. He said, look, you got to go fix up this power pole outside of your normal mm. workscope. scope. And he said, I'm calling you in because you are the guy that gets the job mm. done. He says, this is a really... It, it was, there was an electrical um, storm. There was a lightning strike over the weekend. The pole got damaged. And he said, this, this thing is really badly damaged. So I kind of turned around, Eric, and I had this little, you know, little ego boost mm-hmm. pep my step and uh, i said to we were a three-man crew i said to my boys let's go um change the stuff on on the truck and the ute and mm-hmm. get some other safety stuff on and, and off we go to the spell pole and uh, i remember doing a risk assessment that morning without my other two boys in there at the pole and tick tick and flick boxes you know you're just a quick tick and flick and you've put a few things down and i didn't really really i wasn't invested in that sure and when the boys came in, we set up and started working on this pole. And, and my best mate, very good mate of mine, his name is Nico. He was in front of me. He started working on this on this live wires. And mm. about a half an hour in, he got really frustrated. And he said to me, um, he said, I can't get this nut off. There's just this little 12 millimeter sure. uh, nut. Oh, I don't know if you guys call it three, three quarter. Probably. <laughs> and uh, I said to him, look, you must be tired. Let me have a go at it. And as soon as I stood right in front of this and I'm, I've got to describe it. I'm, we're standing mm. 11 meters in the air. There's a big steel cross arm in front of me. There's three insulators, which carries the three phases. Sure. And I remember I couldn't see where this nut sits, and I couldn't feel it because of the gloves. Mm. And I knew that I'm the guy that gets the job done.
1: Right. You had heard that just before, right?
2: Because uh, that I just boosts my ego with this thing. And you know you know what it's like for a, for a young man. Sure. And I guess at that stage, I thought if I could only put my fingers in there and could feel how this nut sits, it will be like a two second thing. I'll just just quickly put my finger in there, feel where it sits, get a socket in and undo this nut. And uh, I had a quick glance behind me, old Nico, my best mate, talking to the safety observer downstairs. And he didn't didn't look at me. And uh, I went and I put my hands between my, my knees and I started taking my gloves off. It was such a convenient Mm. choice. It was so easy. It was just a convenient choice. And when I put my hands in between my knees to to start start to take the gloves off, you know, Eric, not for a single second did I even consider how many times they told me not to do it. Sure. How many times in a a meeting have they told us, you know, don't don't do it. If it's unsafe, don't do it. In that minute, I, I was so focused on getting this job done. That I didn't think about it. And I start pulling my gloves out. And the moment my gloves released out of my hands, I could feel the, the, the cold sweat on the, on the wind, chilly wind.
1: Mm.
2: And that moment, I just, I had this massive gut feel. Mm. Like, have you ever done a bit, just about to do something really stupid and you get this, this big feel in your gut that something is going to go wrong? that moment when i got that gut feel I, I i it was such a strong feeling that i that I, I i paused and i went oh that is a that is a that is a real feeling and then i was standing there for a couple of milliseconds and i thought man it is so convenient it's so easy it's right in front of me i can just get it. curse so you, you override that gut feel and, and you go in and you took it out and I, and I put my hands actually on that nut, and everything was fine i did undid the nut nut came off in about five seconds. I was so happy with myself that I was standing back with a bigger smile on my face and um the next minute, the insulator now undone started moving, and it was pure instinct I had my my right wrist on the steel cross arm and with the insulator a little bit to my left, I just grabbed it with my left arm, my left hand, and I, I didn't know that there was that exposed section of that 22,000 volt line. And I, that moment I stuck that, my hand straight into that line, which made me a, this, just a, a little fuse between draining right. 22,000 volts, 1,200 amps, straight through my heart, straight into the um, cross arm and down to earth. Unreal. Yeah. You know, that moment when that power took hold of me, it, it was like a truck hitting me at a at 100 k's an hour. It just hit me, and every muscle in my body, I remember feeling every single millisecond. I, I knew exactly what was going on, Eric. I'd, I, I was thinking about so many things, but I, I couldn't do anything. It was just stuck on there. Can't. And I just stuck, and... and I, it was about two and a half seconds, which in electrical terms is a long time.
1: A lifetime, yeah.
2: It's a lifelong. And um, yeah, I, I lost consciousness. My knees gave in and I think my my right wrist slipped off that steel cross arm. And my lifeless body hit the bottom of that bucket. And uh, that was the end of my life as I knew it. That was my last moments as I knew my Goodness.
1: life. So you, you went to the hospital. We're blessed to still have you here. Tell me a little bit about the aftermath, the ripple effects, what, what transpired? Your family had just arrived three months prior.
2: Yeah, you see, what electricity in specific does is it, it, um, it, mm-hmm. when, it when you get hooked up, it creates a like a thousand degrees Celsius, and it boils your blood inside your body. So your your soft organs, your heart, kidneys, lungs, liver, everything starts to boil up. And um, and because of that, when they by the time they took me back to hospital, uh, you know I was I was lying in that hospital bed, and I remember the nurses, the last nurse. She was standing around my bed. Well, after they, they'd stitched me up and bandaged me up and put all these tubes into my system mm. with antibiotics and painkillers and stuff like that. And just before my, my wife walked in, um, she looked at me and, and she didn't say much, but she, she was looking at... We were, I had eye contact mm. for about 10 seconds. And I just realized that I'm, I'm going to die in this bed. I just, that's the I'll never forget this moment when we're just looking at each other, not saying a word, and she walked out, and I realized, I'm, mm. I, I've, I know, I've been in this industry, I know that the infection sets in, and in a day, maybe, and, and you will die, and, um, I remember my wife walking just after her, and as we were talking, she's begging me not to die, because we we made this agreement that I was gonna, and then I could hear my little princess, she's only five years old, she was outside, and, um, she was screaming and begging for, for a daddy and my two boys, I've got three kids, and they were crying and begging. And um, I said to the doctors, if they could bring my kids in and just and just give me a last chance with my kids, just wanted to hug them and say goodbye. Um, the doctor said I was so bad, I, was, I, I, I smelled so bad and I looked so bad that uh, please don't, don't let the kids see you like this. Wow. So I made wow. the decision not to say goodbye to my kids that day, that moment. I know it was the hardest thing I've done in my life. You know, I went I went into that night. Uh, you just count those seconds down. And do you, know, do you know what goes through your mind the most? Is what made me take that shortcut? Mm-hmm. What made me choice? Why did I do it? Was it worth it? Was it worth taking that, that nut off? Was it worth just putting my life on the line? When do you get so desensitized? Mm-hmm. What stage... In a workplace work site, you get so desensitized that you don't even think about those the material risks the, the things that can kill you and it just kept on spinning over and over and over in my mind. It was about five days later when when they did tests on me and said Theo you're gonna make it and um, during those five days I the only thing I could think of is if uh, knowing I was gonna die was if someone could give me just one day with, with my family, one perfect day, mm-hmm. one perfect day, it's all I wanted, just one perfect day. And and now when I stand in front of audiences, I'm mm-hmm. asking them, do you, have you ever thought of your own specific personal perfect day? What would it look like? Who are you off with? Where would you go? Sure. Uh, I, I got started. They started surgeries. They, they removed all the dead tissues and tendons out of my arms that was dead and because of gangrene. And um, I I went through 17 surgeries in the first, Mm -hmm. just over a month. Um, Every second day I had a a surgery. They wanted to amputate my arms, they could save them. And then um, I was in hospital for quite a few months when I left. But then when I went home, it became worse. Because I was, I I went in there and and my friends didn't recognize Mm -hmm. me. You know, I was I was now estranged from my wife. Sure. I was I was away from, you know, uh, the pressures on a relationship was just skyrocketing. Um, I was in a dark room sitting there the whole time with severe pain. And uh, I, I had mm-hmm. to depend on everyone to feed me, to, you know, my hands didn't work at all, to help me wash, to wipe my bum, to do all these things. And, and um I think about a few months in, depression kicked in and
1: mm-hmm. severe
2: depression and anxiety and um It wasn't long after that when my suicide thoughts were very real, very real. Uh, That was the darkest ever I've seen life in my life before. It was the darkest times.
1: And so I have to ask you, I mean, you know, doing work around electricity, around high voltage. Gloves are what blocks you from direct contact with the ground, becoming, taking the energy down to the ground. You're supposed to test your rubber gloves, in most cases, every day to make sure that <clears throat> there's no fault, no, no challenge with the rubber gloves. Had you ever done anything like this before?
2: That is such a great question, Eric. Um, those gloves that, that you're talking about, and it sounds like you know exactly what what it was because those gloves are sacred to everyone. Yes. You, you, let, you take those gloves and you put them in a very soft pouch and, and you you do do a pin test every day, and you make sure that those because that's the only thing that, that mm. keeps you away from from the beast. Um, you know, to answer your question, I just want to I want to go back one week before my incident, just one week. Sure. The Wednesday before my incident, I was standing. Uh, we were standing. It was about eight of us, nine, ten of us on a on a site. There was a power pole very similar to the one I I was on. Um, and there was two guys working up on this pole okay. in, a, in a EWP, in a, a bucket, um, and on a live line. And there was about six of us on the ground level. And it was about, oh, I think, two, three hours in, maybe 10 o'clock in the morning, when I was standing back from this pole to see how the guy's going up there. Sure. And the one guy, as I looked up, the one guy didn't have his gloves on. And I screamed. I I. I screamed, I blew the whistle, I said, whoa, whoa, mate, you forgot your gloves. Right. You, ha- you haven't put your gloves on. Because that was the cardinal sin. It was, it's like, you don't do that. You, you forgot about it. The guy turned around, and he looked at me downstairs, and he laughed at me, and he said to me two things which I'll never forget. He said, Theo, don't ever tell anyone what you've just seen, and don't ever try it yourself this guy took his gloves off to do some work around the live power line. Never seen it, never done it. Cardinal sin, no one should be doing this, right?
1: Right.
2: Two days later, I'm sitting in a safety Mm -hmm. meeting. The the manager comes in and he closes, slams the door closed. We about 100 of us sitting in a room. And he, he starts the meeting, the safety meeting off by everyone, he says, these doors are closed. This is a safe space. Does everyone, please, could, could you talk to us about safety out there? Can you talk to us about, um, mm. is there anything that we can do better? Is there anything you want to bring up that, things, that people don't do that safe? And, and the more he said these things, the more there was these, these 10 pairs of eyes right in the back of me waiting for Theo Venter to get up and say something. Because mm. he's the guy that gets the job done. What did you do? You know what I did? Nothing nothing couldn't couldn't do it could not get up and say it could not for some reason i couldn't couldn't do it you know
1: mm-hmm.
2: when my accident actually happened was that moment when i walked out of that room that day i couldn't bring it up that's where my incident happened because mm-hmm. that was friday afternoon two days later monday morning i was on a power pole standing there not knowing what to do with this thing and mm-hmm. then I remember this guy last week that took his gloves off and he got the job done and that is it that was me that, that was the incident right there and in other words short answer to your question is I've never done it never seen it first time I've done it you know what the guy that took the shortcut last week mm-hmm. must have probably done it 30-40 times he, he always got away with it do you know that that it's never the, the convenient choice, it's never the, the shortcut right. that you take. It's an unforeseen thing that happens while you're taking a shortcut. Sure. It's an extra thing that comes into play, that that thing that no one knows about. You can get away with those shortcuts, but one day something is going to come up while you're taking that, that convenient choice.
1: Which is what happened then, right? Something slipped, something moved. Unfortunately, yeah.
0: This episode of the Safety Guru Podcast is brought to you by Propolo Consulting, the leading safety and safety culture advisory firm. Whether you are looking to assess your safety culture, develop strategies to level up your safety performance, introduce human performance capabilities, re-energize your BBS program, enhance supervisory safety capabilities, or introduce unique safety leadership training and talent solutions, Propolo Propolo has you covered. covered. Visit us at propolo.com.
1: So it gets me to, to think a little bit about culture, right? What was the culture like? You talked about you get the job done. So presumably getting the job done is what was celebrated in some way, shape, or form. Others were blatantly cutting corners, at least one other person, on a cardinal rule if you're working next to any energized current at that level, you would never, or you should never touch. Not have the right gloves. Yep. What was the culture like?
2: So there was there was, a, there was a, quite a number of of things that came into perspective in in at that stage. There was there was the the fact that because we were so new in Australia, they still we were still on a on a on a bridging visa which means you know where this is going, right? So if you can, if you can do your job and you do it well, you, you, and you can do it for long enough, you stay and you get your permanent residence. And, and you know, I'm, I didn't come here to, to go back. So there was a bit of pressure on... And, and please understand me very well. This is, this is not excuses. These, these are things that was in place. Um, I own 100% what I did a hundred percent I did, um, and that will always stay the way, but there was a, a sure. bit of pressure on getting the job done. And and, and in those days, you know, they, they said to us that in the culture sense of things, mm-hmm. is look after your mates, please go out there and look after your, the friends next to you, your brothers and sisters right next to you, make sure everyone is safe. Do you know what I did in that meeting? I was looking after my brother. I was making sure he doesn't get into trouble
0: yeah
1: because it's you it's reconstructing which I've seen too often what brother's keeper means to I'm protecting someone as opposed to protecting them from harm,
2: yep yes, thank you, so I was protecting i was my brother's keeper by not saying anything, yeah, and we've got a broke code out there and and you don't you, you know you don't stab your brother in the back and and that kind of thing so so that was the culture because we were all in the same boat, we were protecting each other, and we wouldn't. We wouldn't do anything to to hurt another guy. So that was, I think, the ground foundations of this culture. What they didn't tell us at, at that stage, which after my incident for the last 10 years now, I've been... Um, searching for the reason why, why we do these things, regardless of the culture, regardless of, of whatever, why do we as individuals take these shortcuts? And I went into behavioral science and I went into all kinds of things that, that came up and, and yes, there's a a lot of factors that make sense about all, all the other sciences, but there was one little thing that really got me in that moment when I just about to take my gloves off, Mm -hmm. remember the, the, that real feeling in my gut that really it was in the back of my mind so long like what what was that mm-hmm. and i went and studied it and this this is pure biology and, and i'd love to share this if, if that's okay and absolutely these are the things that just make so much more sense if we can teach our people on our mind sites and our construction sites and these things this this basic concept is that we've all got a biology is we've all got a um a new cortex, a frontal cortex brain, it's, it's called, uh, you know, the, the big brain in the front of your head is the one that calculates, analyzes, it analyzes the path of least resistance. It, it speaks language and it understands and it reads and it writes and it, it does these, all these things. Um, that's the part of the brain, if I say calculates the, past, uh, the path of least resistance in a workplace, the, the path of least resistance, the, the easiest way to do, the most convenient way to do something, is a shortcut. Right. So when when we send our people to these work sites in the morning, we give them. Um, they, they've mm-hmm. got pre-shift meetings, and they got. They, they need to do. Um, procedures and there's swims and there's all these these things and then you know they go out in the field and they calculate all these things and then they get to a place where they need to le- use a ladder or they need to use something else and this brain is so big and so powerful in front that i have now been working this brain and i'm now taking the shift instead of the hammer because the hammer is too far and it's too, it's not convenient to go there sure and, and when there's an incident, what do they do? They come back and they do the, the risk of the um, incident investigation. And they come and they give you more procedures to go and read. So they make the brain even stronger. Sure.
1: There's
2: a little brain at the back, which they call the um, limbic brain. Now, this is the most amazing piece of little artwork that we have. And, and that is the brain that, that has got um, emotions and creativity and... Um, you know, it, it it deals in all these things. That's the little part of the brain mm. where safety gets unlocked. That's where safety sits. When you feel unsafe, it, it'll put chemicals into your body and say, watch out, there's a snake or, or whatever it is. That is the part of the brain that sends the signal to your gut. Have you ever heard of these people that need to make a decision? Oh, I don't know if mm. I need to use my head or my heart. Those are the two brains. Sure. Unfortunately, I don't yeah. want to disappoint most of our listeners, but we don't have a feeling in our gut. Sorry. <laughs> the, that part of the brain sends that signal to your gut because it knows it, the, the gut is a, such a strong, overpowering thing. So when I put my hands between my knees, that little brain sent it in and said, Don't do it, Theo. Don't do it. But I haven't right. trained that brain. I, I didn't have the tools to understand and trust and respect that, that trust, that gut feel to go and listen to it and stand back and to say to my mate next to me, hey, Nico, does this feel right to you if I do yeah. this? I bet you he would have said no. But because of the frontal cortex is so strong, it will overpower that brain every single time. And if we could give our people out there just that, that little training every two or three minutes in the morning just to understand and trust that gut feel, that, that limbic brain then they've got a, at least a chance of fighting against each other and say, I trust my gut, I will not do it. Last thing I want to say is, do you know how many people I uh, spoke to that I said, have you ever had that feeling just before you get something done that you shouldn't be doing it? And everyone goes, yes, yes. And I said, and then you do it anyway? <laughs> and they go, oh, yes. And that's it. That, that's a start anyway.
1: But nearly everybody who's been on our podcast, who shared who's been injured, talks about that gut feel a reaction just before uh almost unanimously somebody has this feeling just before but they still march forward
2: yep that is that that's the golden nugget isn't it you know in, in i've been giving out little 12 millimeter nuts in every single presentation i have done to every single person there must be about uh, two hundred and fifty thousand nuts on keyrings out there and and mm-hmm. I call that your gut feel, your why, your reason, your gut feel. And and at least there's something they can hold on to sometimes or they see it on their keyring and they go, Wow, I remember mm-hmm. that. I trust my gut. I trust my feelings.
1: So let's get to your the topic you touched on before, which is getting to a perfect day. Yeah. And you, you when you, you talk to audiences, you present your story. You get them to think about that perfect day. So tell me about how you convey that message, because that's also the decision you want people to reflect on before you take your gloves off. Say, is it really worth it?
2: Yeah, yeah, Eric. Um, it's it's uh, so there's there's six points that I that I highlight throughout my presentation. If we want to get a little bit technical. Um, And they are there for a very specific reason. And it doesn't matter if it's an electrical industry or ice cream industry or or the construction industry or whatever it is. These six points are uh, the things that will take us forward. It's it's personal development. Mm -hmm. Safety is is a product of personal development. What we do is we count our mistakes We count how many incidents and and injuries we've had last month, and then we go this month and we we say, oh, we screwed up so many times last month, but this month you're so much better. Wow, because we only injured five people. And then next month, oh, we went a little bit worse. Instead of trying to stay away from, the uh, the human brain is amazing. Why Mm -hmm. not think of something good? Why don't show people what good looks like? Sure. Give them something to aspire to. So what I've done to, to to teams is after my presentation, when they are very much involved in their
1: mm-hmm.
2: in their limbic brain, in their feelings and emotions is 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 out there. I will go into a session which I call the um, mission statement or whatever you want to call it. It, it is so to, to ask them as a group, as a team, what is the perfect day for them, mm-hmm. and then we'll write it on the on the board. They want respect and and honesty and openness and and all these things, and then I make them. Give them a, a, a sentence. We create a world in our industry that's open and honest and through you know, positive communication and these things. So I, I show them what good looks like. Sure. I show them their perfect day at work. And then when they get in tomorrow morning and it's, we ask them, is everyone still aligned to your perfect day? In other words, we pick their value up and align it with the company values. Sure. Now, now that value is there. And when you think about something that, that you want to aspire to, which is good, then it, it comes natural that you want to help your friend, that, that's your, your brother's keeper. Mm. It, th- those things just falls into place instead of trying to run away from from the bad things and not let bad things happen. If, if I tell you there's not a pink elephant behind me, you, it's already in your mind. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's already there. Right. Um, so uh, if, you, if you tell them that that's what your perfect day looks like, and I've done this to so many teams before. The the, the culture which we touched on earlier mm-hmm. switches immediately, let's see, because now that we're looking at something great.
1: And, and let's let, let's touch on another topic that you cover as well in your talks around ownership and accountability, uh, which is important theme. You're talking about your personal ownership in the circumstances, but there's also the ownership, the accountability of leaders. Tell me a little bit about how how you present this theme.
2: Yes, very important. So um, I tie that into my presentation and my story. As w- what I've said earlier um, is before, I, before we left my, my home country, I made an, a, a very stern agreement with my wife and my kids, people I love most in life. And I said to them, I will make sure that this agreement is that we could, we will go over there mm. and, um, and live a beautiful life. But I broke my agreement when I, when I took my gloves off. Um, and when I broke that, I had to own it. And, and I remember my dad always said to me, if you can speak the truth in your vulnerability, you are within your power. And I could not do anything else but speak the truth to everyone and said, I did take my gloves off and I own it. And I broke the agreement with the people I love most in life. And now at the end of the presentation, when I, when I say mm. um, keep your agreements, that's one of the six points. When you make an agreement with someone, if it's, an, it's a pre-shift meeting in the morning or, or with your wife or kids, personal or work, if you keep that agreement, you become the proudest person in the world because of what you've done. That mm. creates accountability and ownership. Because you are now accountable for you, and you know why you do it. Because that's what you want to keep. You want to keep, and, and you want to be a proud person in in, in the world. So um, that starts to form sure. an accountability program, which in the morning you go back to, and you and you go, all right, is everyone still aligned with this with our perfect day? Is it? Can we make an agreement that everyone will go out there and um, Conform to the regulatory authorities. Make sure that everyone is safe out there. And now we aspire to something good. We make the Mm. agreement that keeps you accountable for that. And then they will go out and look after each other because we have twisted and turned from going bad to something what good looks like. I know it sounds... Uh, a little little harsh and quick right now, but um, I've, I did write a book about it, me and Ken. So you can go and have a look at the book. It's much better.
1: <laughs> a very, very important theme. One last question, if I may. You touched on it briefly. You talked about rules. So ca- cause evaluations. We find what happened. We create a new rule. And and I agree, rules do need to exist. Rules are important. Safety at the end of the day is about adherence to rules. But you touched on something that's really important is it's not just about the rules. Because when you're alone, and in this particular case, you're pretty much alone because your friend wasn't looking at you, so you didn't really have a peer check. You need to buy in. You knew this was the right, not the right thing to do. That was a cardinal rule that's ingrained if you're working next to a 22KV line. What does it take to drive the right choice? Yep. Rules are important, but you touched on something that's really important here.
2: You just said it. It's the buying. Mm. It's the buying. You know, our, our industry out there has now for the last 100, and 100 years, less than 100 years, right. fine-tuned our rules, our, our um, procedures and, and uh, from government side all the way down. Um, it's, been, it's been there and it, and it will always be, be there. All the rules, all the systems, all the safety systems is there, but mm. they are worth nothing without the buying. Absolutely nothing. And we need to create buy-in to these rules to understand to, and to give the people out there the, the chance to, to believe in the systems. Yes, I agree with you, they are important and they need to be there. i 100% fine. But. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we create the buy-in? How do we get the guy downstairs, the, the 18-year-old just getting onto a site or the guy that's been there f- that's 40 years old? And I don't know about your statistics, but the 40 to 45-year-olds in this country is the guys that, that gets injured most because they, they think they, you know, they've seen it all and then uh, they get complacent and, and that's one of these inconvenient. Mm-hmm. So the buy-in to these, to these rules is, is absolutely paramount. And we need to find a way how to to get our people to buy into it. Um, And I I think I've broke the code and I know how to do it. And I've seen and I've proven that it it can be done. And once you you create the culture that supports the buying and everyone aspires to to something that is out there and that good looks like as a team and some camaraderie and your brother's keeper, um, all these things come into play. And the whole culture starts to shift. And uh, it's a beautiful thing to see. I've, I've seen it many times before.
1: As somebody who's in the trade who told me once, <clears throat> and I don't know if it's true, but he said all the rules when it comes to electricity were written in blood. But if you follow all the rules that exist, there's no reason to get seriously injured or to die. That basically we know the universe of what we need to do. It's just we need to actually consistently do it even when we encounter hiccups, issues, challenges.
2: True, true words. 100% true words. Yeah, love it.
1: Theo, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's a very powerful story. I still can't wrap my head. I'm happy and thrilled that you survived 22 kVs, 1,200 amps. It's surreal. But thank you for being here, for sharing your story. Uh, Incredibly powerful message. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, how can they do that?
2: I am I'm just about to embark on a on a world tour next year. So if if you want to be part of that world tour, I'm gonna. Um, you can find me at theoventer.com. So it's uh, Theo. My last name is V E N T E R. dot uh, com. That you can find me there. I'm on on Facebook and and instagram and all those all those sites and everything else also on linkedin at theo venter so you can catch me on linkedin look out for for me coming around maybe your area i will definitely be around the canadian areas um, and all the way down so um, looking forward to come and make a huge impact excellent if it's only a, a presentation that's fine we'll I'll come and inspire your teams to walk away but i also do a lot of other Um, stuff in between as well, cultural um, leadership training and and those kind of things.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much, Theo. We really appreciate you taking the time. And I know you've got a big day in front of you in the outback, which is going to be considerably colder than summer up here. Yes.
2: (laughs) Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
1: Cheers. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to The Safety Guru on C-Suite Radio. Leave a legacy. Distinguish yourself from the pack. Grow your success. Capture the hearts and minds of your teams. Elevate your safety. Like every successful athlete, top leaders continuously invest in their safety leadership with an expert coach to boost safety performance. Begin your journey at execsafetycoach.com. Come back in two weeks for the next episode with your host, Eric Mikrowski. This podcast is powered by Propolo Consulting.